Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. So this morning we're continuing our um, series on the parables of Jesus. And um, this morning's parable is in Matthew 18. It's the parable of the unforgiving servant. And uh, as, as, as usual, I always have a bit of a preamble. I don't know why I do that. It, I, I just believe it's something that God's given me to bring a bit of context to the message. And this morning, um, I might even get into trouble for some of the things that I say. But I'm just going to say, please go to God's word. Because and if I ever say anything that is not in God's word, you are free to come and challenge me and remind me, Pastor David, that's not quite right. So I'm open to that. Amen. So this morning, the parable of the unforgiving servant. Last week, we had the parable. What was last week's? You weren't in. Yes. We had the last parable. <laughs> yes. In, in, in Luke. But this morning, I, I want to talk a little bit about something that struck me this week. And if any of you know philosophies, different philosophies and ideologies, there's lo- loads of them out there, aren't there? And they've infiltrated into the church over centuries. There's always been a philosophy and ideology, and there have been false doctrines. There have been practices that have soaked into the church that bring even a little bit of new age into the church. The new age is a very real thing, by the way. The new age is, is the new age, or if you, uh, you want to call it another way, a new world order is something that is, a, is, is, is hidden in plain sight, but is very much going to be in the forefront of what's coming in the future. Amen. And these kind of things infiltrate the church and they bring confusion into the church. They bring chaos into the church and they bring division into the church. And I feel this morning's message on forgiveness has much to do with taking care of a lot of the stuff that soaks into the church and is part of us reaching people in a non-judgmental way and restoring them in love and saying, come back on course. Get back on course. Here's the compass we've been given. You're a wee bit off track, but if you're a foot off track here, 10 miles down the line, you're half a mile off track. So we're going we're to reach out to one another and help one another stay on course, aren't we? And so... What is really obvious in the times we live in is a lot of the philosophy and the ideology that, we, that is around is about self. It's very self-centered. What I do for my gain, for my profit, and for my pleasure, it's very self-centered. It's self-gratifying. And it's not what the church should be or we should be is Christ-centered. So we get self-centered instead of Christ-centered. And these ideologies and philosophies, they promote the justification of self. So in other words, you can can say or do anything or be anything that you want. 
to be. We know that's, that's the truth, isn't it? And we thank God for freedom and liberty in, in him. Okay, in him. And so there's this whole pervasion of self. And then there's the protection of self. So, you know, no matter what I do, even if I wrong you as the perpetrator, I demand even more rights than the victim. Seems to be an unjust way, but that seems to sometimes be what happens. And then there's the imposition of yourself. Like, I'm going to impose myself on you whether you like it or not. I'm going to be in your face. And if, you're, if you reject what I say or you do not accept what I say, then I might even be openly hostile to you if you do not endorse my way of living. And on and on and on. Am I on the right track this morning? I, I knew I might get in, into, into trouble, but I, I believe that when we look around, we see a lot of this type of lifestyle out there. And in many cases, it's, the, it's a Luciferian spirit. It's the worship of self. The exalting of yourself and your lifestyle, no matter what. And what people don't understand is that all of this exaltation of self is often at the expense of other people in your nearest and dearest, your inner circle in life, and people beyond that. Amen? The kind of behaviors that we tend to see range from subtle control and manipulation to passive-aggressive actions to openly violent displays towards anyone that doesn't conform to your belief system. And don't you dare disagree with me. How dare you disagree with me? Don't you know who I am, what I am? And so this has been on my heart, and I'm thinking, what about the church? We have to stay Christ-centered, outwardly focused on the mission that God has given us. If we begin to give way, even a fraction, to the church becoming a self-seeking organization, more concerned with our rights, all right, rather than focusing on imitating Christ, and, and this is interesting because we're called to be imitators of Christ, not impersonators of Christ. A lot of people impersonate Christ. They want to kind of look like him and sound like him, but they, they're not. Their hearts are far from him. And the Bible just calls us to imitate Christ's character, doesn't it? So, so if we... One of the most important characters, one of the biggest character traits that Christ has was love. Would you agree? If we let these things slide in this self, then we will fail to be most like Christ in that area, the area of love. All right? What should we possess as Christians? The first thing is obvious. We must love God. And secondly, love our neighbor 
as we love ourselves. Amen. So we've got to possess the ability to love one another, and we've got to be able to love people who don't even return that love. And that is probably the hardest thing for some people to do, even in the, especially in the world, because it's like an exchange. You do this for me, and I'll do this for you. And he says, love them no matter what they do. Love them no matter what they do. Despite the wrongs that have been dealt your way, we have been asked by Jesus himself to walk in love, and out of love comes forgiveness. All right? And I've been in church since I was 12. I was baptized in a swimming pool in South Africa. I was driven all over the country to church meetings in the back of an old Ford Cortina estate. There was no health and safety, no seatbelts. When the church service was on to its third and fourth hour, we were sleeping under the benches, and we'd get lifted up and put in the back of the Cortina and driven 100 kilometers home, chucked into bed. So I've been in church for a long time. And the thing that I've seen often is the damage caused by the inability to walk in love to one another and to forgive each other. And Satan makes the greatest inroads into church through unforgiveness. He, makes the, he takes the most ground from the church in the area of unforgiveness. The greatest missions that God has ever given man are easily sabotaged by unforgiveness. And I'm rereading a book just now because I gave my old book away to someone and I can't remember who it was. <laughs> so I had to buy it again. I'm reading a book by, uh, on, on David Livingston. I love that story. I'll probably read it every year. I'll keep this book. I'm not giving it away. But he, he had his brother, Charles Livingston, on his expedition in Africa with him. They never got on. In fact, Charles even accused David Livingston of serving the devil. He was sulky, difficult, obstructive, and he just went against everything that David Livingston was trying to do. But there was something that stood out to me about David Livingston's life, because he took his wife, Mary Moffat, and his children to Africa into the harshest conditions. You would never believe it. Sometimes they had nothing to eat. And on one occasion, the the crew that were on the expedition wasted the water, and they had no fresh water. So the, 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 the team went away to try and find fresh water, and he had his children there. Now, how long, what's the common reasoning on how long can you survive without water? Around three days. Five days later, they eventually got back with some, some water to drink. And they arrived back as if nothing had ever happened, but David Livingston's family nearly perished. And the book is great because the, the, the person that was responsible for wasting the water, I don't know if it was polluted or spoiled, in, even though his family had come close to death, David Livingston forgave him. He forgave him, and they went on to 
do amazing things in Africa, notwithstanding all the opposition he had. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff that will try and come into the church, and we have to defend the Word of God within the church. Not only do you sometimes have to defend the Word of God outside the church, but you may have to defend God's Word within the church. Okay? So let's read this in Matthew 18, the parable of the unforgiving debtor or the unforgiving servant. And once again, thank you, Izzy, for the great slide. It's awesome. 21 said, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one servant was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. That was a lot of money. In fact, by today's standards, it's a humongous amount of money. And as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. Wow. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him just a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from, from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. And so we've read it through, and I wanted to just do a short ex exegesis of this. In verse 21, Peter's saying seven times, why was Peter interested in this numerical va value seven times? What could he have had in mind when asking this? Were, were there other ways or laws of that time that were at the back of his mind that said, you know what, seven times? It's as if there's some predetermined number above which you don't go. And he says, seven times, Lord, seven, I'll forgive him seven times. Well, actually, that's the truth. It's the truth. At that particular time, in biblical times, because Jesus' disciples would have known the law and they would have been brought up in that culture as, as Hebrews. They would have known the law of the prophets. And 
they were familiar with the, even if they were un, unread or illiterate, they were familiar with the prevailing religious culture of the time. And there was a prophet called Amos in the Old Testament. And in Amos, God's speaking about nations and peoples that have transgressed against him. And they only get pardoned three times. They get three times a pardon. The fourth time, you're a goner. All right? So three times, end of. You've, that's, you've, you've worn out your pardons. And in Amos 2.6, it says, a man that commits a sin the first time they pardon him, the second time they pardon him, the third time they pardon him, but the fourth time they do not. No pardon. Again, he that says, I have sinned and I repent, they forgive him up until three times, but no more. In the Old Testament, and here comes Jesus the new covenant Jesus. Thank God for the new covenant. Yes. Saying no, not just three times now, but 70 times seven, 490 times. Wow. I imagine that Peter must have thought he was being very generous. Jesus is going to be impressed with me because he knows it should just be three times and I'm going to give, put four onto that. And Jesus comes away with, no, forgive 490 times. And it's backed up again in Luke 17. If you go to Luke 17, verse 1, it mentions there that this unlimited forgiveness, because really what Jesus is saying is, although there's a number attached to it, he's saying, you don't stop. You never stop forgiving. And it's not like, oh, is it 490 times over the span of the rest of my life? Well, Luke 17 says, no, it's in a day. In a day. Jesus warns of offenses. Then he said to the disciples, it's impossible that no offenses should come. Or that temp another translation says, it's impossible that no temptation is going to come your way. And it also says, won't you who cause someone to fall into temptation. All right. But yeah, woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than the, that he should offend one of these little ones. A millstone was a big heavy round stone that a donkey pushed or pulled and it would crush the, it was a heavy thing. You wouldn't want it around your neck in the water. All right. Um, he says, take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. Okay. But if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day he comes back to you and says, I repent, you will forgive him. You will forgive him. Amen. So Peter's like, technically, I only have to forgive you, you know, however many times I think is until you've worn my patience thin, and then after that, you're a goner. But it's not. I want to know, has anyone ever committed the same offense against you 490 times in one day? No. It, if, if it did happen, it would be such a petty thing, you know. You know, will you stop repeating what I say? Will you stop repeating what I say? Will you stop, you know, give some, you know, Petulant child or something. I, but no, okay, I'm being, I'm being silly. But, you know, 
490. I mean, it would be nigh on impossible to do that. So we're going to draw on, on the hyperbole of what Jesus really means here. And he's saying that there should be no limit to your forgiveness. Amen. And if you read the verses just before this, it's actually talking about church discipline. It's talking about church discipline and what happens if, you know, a brother falls into sin or into temptation. What do you do? How do you restore him? Okay. And it points out there are steps that you take to reach out to someone. Now, if you're first, uh, I'm, going, I'm going off piste here. I know I'm going to probably get into trouble again. But if your first reaction is to put it all over Facebook, you've made a dreadful, dreadful error. You have made a big mistake. All right? You have not followed the steps. All right? So if someone has wronged you, if someone has offended you, if someone owes you something and they were not able to pay it back, there's a way that you deal with that person. Amen? There's steps that you take to restore someone back into fellowship with yourself and with the church in love. The point is that if someone does fall into temptation or into sin, and, you know, I, I, you know, I, we sin every day, okay? Because sometimes we make sins of omission. We sin ignorantly. And then there's sins of commission where we know fine well what we're doing. It's very, a very deliberate, Lord, thank you for your grace. It's just one more time. <laughs> one more time, then I'm going to get this out of my system. I've been there. It still happens where you're like, Ugh. amen. And so... We, 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 we restore them back into fellowship. Amen? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5. And I should say that the first step, by the way, is you go to that person privately, personally. You go to them in private. You speak with them. And don't have your hand around their throat. <laughs> You go and you, you speak to them. And if they won't listen to you, then you may go with uh, some of your mutual friends or people that you trust and you go back and you say, I really, I'm really concerned. I want this to be right. And you go back and if it's still rejected, actually, you can, that's your homework. Go and find that passage. I'm not going to say it this morning, but... You know, you, 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 you take steps to restore someone until eventually they say no. And the Bible says, well, they, they, they are turned over to a reprobate mind. They are therefore then as, as a Gentile would have been to a Jew in that day, which is non-compatible, okay? 2 Corinthians 2, if anyone has caused grief he has not grieved me, but all of you to some extent, this is Paul, not to be too severe. The punishment which was inflicted by the majority is sufficient for such a man, so that on the contrary, you ought rather to forgive and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. Amen. 
Now, verse 10, now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if I, indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ, lest Satan should take advantage of us. So Satan will take advantage of unforgiving situations. Okay? So let's go, let's go on. We don't, we're not going through every verse, but obviously it goes on to talk about the amount owed. So it's like, do you know what? Is anyone, do you know, I can forgive you for that, but you know, see, for that, it's out of the question. It's unforgivable. I only know of one unforgivable sin, and that's the, the blas blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. When you, when, you, when you say that a genuine work of the Holy Spirit, and you attribute it to a work of the devil, that's, blas that's blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. Anything else, I don't care if Eleanor owes me, you know, a quarter of a mil, and she can't pay it back. You know, you know sometimes I've been in this situation because I've been in business as well, you know, before we came on to pastor, we still had our business and we sold our business to our staff. And I can tell you now when it comes to money, um, not boasting on any, on, on myself, but sometimes I've said, it's write it off. It's okay. It's, it's Jubilee time. It's the, it's the year of Jubilee. You, you don't owe me a cent. You might on paper owe me money. But I don't, I don't want it. I don't need it. Be blessed. And so the things like this happen. Amen. So it, was, so it was a great amount. And wow. The servant, within, I, I can imagine within, it's almost like he leaves his master. You get the impression that he just walks down the street and sees the guy that owes him money. I mean, it was hardly a heartbeat. And he's got him by the neck, the scruff of the neck. And isn't that amazing that he even, you know, in verse 20, 24, oh, hang on, where we go in verse 20, verse 20, verse 25, sorry. But as he was not able to pay, his, his master commanded to be sold with his wife and children. Oh, yes, that was the thing. Um, the, the, the master was going, to, was going to sell him and his children into slavery, all right? That's a shocking verse, but don't take that literally, okay? Um, why, is, why would we not take that lit literally? Because God wor God's word tells us that you will not pay for the sins of your someone else, okay? So this is, this, is this is Jesus using language that is conveying the severity of a, of a, a penalty, but God's word, we know, even if you look in Deuteronomy 24, 6, it says there, parents will not be put to death for the sins of their children, nor children for the sins of their parents. Everyone will pay for their own sin and their own crimes. Okay? So it is a shocking verse, but God's word says that we receive judgment for our own sins, not the sins of anyone else. And that's also the important thing. That's why we should not be judging others. Amen. Hallelujah. So it's, 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 it's emphasizing the consequences of not forgiving others. Amen. 
And if you read in Levit Leviticus 25, when you've got some time, it also there says there, it talks about your countrymen. If he becomes poor and in his means with regard to you, if he falters, then you are to sustain him. You, you are to reach out to him. You're not to take advantage of his situation of lack. Don't charge him interest. Don't, don't, don't exact a usury from, from him. Amen? Because you don't want to put him into bondage or into slavery. Has God put us into slavery? We put ourselves into slavery. We condemn ourselves. We, we, we enslave ourselves to sin. And God says, I've redeemed you out of that. You, you are not a slave to sin anymore. We sing the song, no long, we're no longer slaves. And why is it that in the kingdom of God, sometimes we are so harsh with one another, we would almost put you into, into bondage. And you do. Sometimes our words are so wounding that it puts people into bondage. And they go around in, their, in this cycle of hurt. And, and, and eventually it brings up bitterness, a bitter root judgment, and all sorts of horrible things. Verse 27 was talking about the master who was moved with compassion. And that gives us an insight into the heart of Jesus Christ for us. And here's the thing that spoke to me. The master did it to his own detriment. The word forgive, when, the, when it says there, the master forgave his servant, the word forgive there means he put that aside, completely set it aside. Amen? He let go of it completely. And the thing is, are, are we ready to accept the consequences of forgiving someone? Because it might impact on you, it might cost you something to forgive someone. Are we willing to live with the consequences of that? Are we willing, you know, it's like I'm suffering here for your wrongdoing. But what does the Bible say? Love pays no attention to a suffered wrong. I'm paying the price here for your wrongdoing. But brothers and sisters, it's the way. It is the way of Christ. It's the way of Christ. Amen. In Jeremiah 31, verse 34 in the Amplified, it says there, each man will no longer teach his neighbor and his brother saying, know the Lord, for they will all know me through personal experience from the least to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and I will no longer remember their sin. And one of the, the there's a few literal translations of the Bible and what it says there, because God's omniscient, right? And one day we'll all stand before him and we will be, He'll say, you know, well done, good and faithful. You'll have like a replay of your life. So when God says, I, I will not remember your sin, one, the literal translation says that God is not going to bring it up again. He's not going to mention it again. So it's like, you know, I don't go back to 20 years ago and say, Linda, do you remember what you did to me? You know? And she's like, why are you bringing that up again? I thought that was done, dealt with. I thought I was forgiven. Aye, but, you know, I'm in a bad mood. <laughs> so, you know, come on. Do you, what are we? We're so fickle as people. You know, 
I think sometimes we provoke God to anger. The master was wroth. He was so angry when he heard what had happened. And we sometimes, we, prov- we provoke God. How much have, I mean, how much do we exasperate God? You can imagine God almost frothing at the mouth and in frustration with us sometimes, although he, he doesn't do that. Okay? You know? And so, we've got to be willing to lay it aside, including that which we have lost, because you know what? God is going to take care of it. He's going to justify you. He's going to vindicate you. It's all going to be okay. You can let go of the hurt. You can put it to the side. And no matter, and I know there's people in this place that have been wounded much more deeply than I've ever been. You can put it away. And with God's help, you can forgive. According to this parable, it says, in the last verse, so my heavenly Father will do to you if you, from your heart, forgive your brother. Amen. Amen. Verse 35, it says there, that's what we've just read. It says there in, 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 in Mark eleven twenty-five. whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone Forgive the issue, and I love the Amplified. Do you know what it says? We use this in, in now all the time. Drop it. <laughs> if you have anything against anyone, drop the issue and let it go. So that your Father in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions and wrongdoings. But if you do not forgive, if I do not forgive, I cannot expect God to forgive me. And this is the last verse in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Make allowance for one another's faults and forgive anybody. It's, it's not like it even gives you an exception. It's like you'll forgive everyone, but see that, Lewis? No way. There's no, it's like anybody, everybody, forgive anyone. And I mean, we remember our Savior forgiving the people, the soldiers that whipped him into shreds and that pounded nails into his body and that hung him on the cross and they let that thing pound into the ground. And he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Make allowance for each other's faults and remember that the Lord has forgiven you so you must forgive others. So see to just wrap this up this morning. This parable reminds us that even though people do wrong by us, remember God's mercy. Remember the mercy he's had for you and imitate his mercy. I mean, I could never repay. My debt to, to, to Christ is, is unrepayable. And, you know, when you look at it, I could never, you know, even my life for his doesn't even seem to make it up. So the debt that anyone owes to me is totally insignificant compared to the debt that Christ paid for my life. Totally insignificant. 
And I, I believe that people are going to leave this place and maybe have heard this today or they watched it. You know, by the way, if you are online and you're in somewhere abroad, we're in Kilwinning in Scotland and we're the Bridge Church and we're teaching, we're teaching the Word of God. And spread this video around. Share it. And so, if we withhold forgiveness we let bitterness take root in our hearts. And we will suffer for the causes of, for the, we will suffer the costs of that bitterness. Amen. Here's the big, here's, here's an important thing. That if we do not forgive, we can once, a bit, once again be held liable for our own trespasses and sins and uh, we tend to forget that but you know it's like pastor david are you saying that there can be a reversal of god's mercy yes yes if we do not release forgiveness we can once again be held liable for the debt that we owe Amen. And so, if that happens in your life, and I can speak from experience, don't let time move on. As soon as you can, go to the person and make right. Go to the person. And you see, if someone has done you a suffered wrong, and you, someone might suggest to you, do you know what? They don't know they've hurt you. They don't know they've offended you. Go to them and say, I have felt wronged. I don't know if you realize that this is, when you do this with the, the heart of Christ, that person will not take umbrage. When you do it with the right heart, they, if, you know, I mean, we've actually been through it loads of times, you know. I didn't realize that I'd hurt you. I'm, well, I'm letting you know that I felt hurt. I was hurt by that. Okay, we can sort it now. It's now out in the open. It's transparent. We can sort it out. Amen. And we can come back into fellowship. Amen. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.